This is Smart Women, Smart Power, a podcast that features conversations with some of the world's most powerful women. People have very strong opinions about national security. They also have very strong opinions on what the role of women should be in national security. We feature women who are breaking barriers and shaping the future of foreign policy, national security, international business, and development. I'm Beverly Kirk, the director of the Smart Women, Smart Power Initiative at the Center for Strategic and International Studies in Washington. Lauren Bean Buata is the founder of Girls Security, a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization that's focused on increasing the representation of women in national security. The group is building a pipeline of girls and young women in the field through learning and training opportunities and mentoring support. I spoke with Lauren and two young women who participated in girls' security about the importance of early exposure to national security and the need for more women in this sector. Lauren, welcome to the Smart Women, Smart Power podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. And also joining us here are two young women who were a part of girls' security. We have Erin Connolly, who now works for you, correct? Yes, yes she's a colleague, partner in crime. <laughs> <laughs> and Megan Burns, who was your first mentee. She was my first mentee, and I have an email that she sent to me after the program that is framed and hanging on my office wall. <laughs> that is really exciting. Erin and Megan, welcome to you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Let's talk about, uh, first of all, your background and girl security. I understand you started working in this area after 9-11 and then after your brother was later deployed to Iraq. Yeah, so I graduated from Boston College in, uh, let's see, it was 2002, so right after 9-11. And I had studied political science, and I wanted to do something in international mm -hmm. affairs. Uh, when I returned to Illinois, there were very few opportunities to do much in international affairs, so I started working at this tiny little boutique law firm called Kirkland & Ellis. Um, I would not call them <laughs> tiny. <laughs> and, um, and so about three months into that law firm experience, I started looking for jobs in international affairs, and I was hired by a very small national security think tank that was actually formed by Donald Rumsfeld about 30 years ago and began working in national security there. And how did that lead you to this effort with girls' security? Sure. So while I was sitting in a lot of these kind of off-the-record conversations as part of the advocacy work that the Think Tank did, as well as my own um, policy analysis that I was doing as part of my job, my brother was deployed to Iraq. And so he and I were you know, writing emails or letters back and forth to each other, sharing information about our perspectives of the war. And... Um, and there was a huge disconnect between what he was sharing and what I was experiencing. And I can recall very distinctly sitting around on the weekends at bars with my friends. You know, I was 22 years old and having conversations or wanting to have conversations about the war and, and this understanding that I was developing around national security and really feeling as though no one understood the language I was speaking. And so that kind of set in motion this general idea of the need for more public education around national security for young people. But then, of course, as a young woman in the field and having experiences that I did, I decided that I wanted the effort to emphasize um, specifically girls. And let's talk about girl security that you've built. Uh, it's a nonpartisan, nonprofit yeah. organization, and it's focused on creating a pipeline of young women and girls who are interested in this field. Absolutely. I think um, just through some of the work that I've done in my background 
and acknowledging how kind of painstakingly slow change is, I realized, again, this is kind of after 15 years of observation, that the number of women wasn't changing. And so I wanted to contribute to the field in a new way that would supplement kind of in a more holistic way what's already happening in terms of more senior level or mid-career level support for women in national security. And um, and so I you know, started Girl Security to emphasize really reaching out to girls who are absolutely affected by national securities on a daily basis, but really have no grounding or understanding of what national security is. Well, let's talk to Megan and Aaron about girl security and your interest in this field. Megan, I'll start with you. Talk to me. You're a sophomore at George Washington yes. University, and you're majoring in history, which I love as someone who, as an undergraduate, majored in history. Mm-hmm. What made you want to pursue a career in this national security field, because as Lauren mentioned, the email you sent, I'm going to quote it here, because of girls' security, I decided to pursue a career in national security. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that decision. So ever since I was in maybe middle school, I've always been interested in the military and soldiers and veterans and their effects and experiences on their own lives and others' lives. So um, I was just so captivated by the intricacy and complexity of all the Um, operations and the way that wars work now and so then I I don't know I thought that was kind of just a passion not something I could really do anything with because I realized through high school I would not be very beneficial to the country if I was enlisting I wouldn't I don't know that's not my forte but um then Lauren there came into class. There are all sorts of ways to serve. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm getting to. Yeah. yeah. So um, I realized through Lauren that I can serve the country somewhere where I'd be more beneficial, which is through the more intellectual standpoint from D.C. and doing more affairs type work. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And Aaron, you now work for Girl Security. So yes, I'm currently getting my master's in global affairs and peace studies, and I was first introduced to girl security through Twitter, as most nuclear things happen. I had done an education project with a colleague, Kate Hewitt, and Lauren had reached out, and we just fell in love with girl security because it really addressed what we were trying to uh, target, which was we saw this gap in knowledge in the public, but also the pipeline issue in terms of who's included in these opportunities in the national security space. And uh, it's been really wonderful. I, For me, engaging with girls, high schoolers, college girls, it's really inspiring because they ask the critical questions that I think most people forget about because they don't share the same basic assumptions. So that's been really humbling for me. Uh, and it's been really wonderful. Let me ask you this, because you're both of the generation. You were born, I, I'm not going to ask your ages, but I'm just guessing based on where you are in your life, you were born at a time when this country has always been at war in one fashion or another, either Afghanistan or Iraq. Did that play a role in your interest in national security and the military and defense and intelligence, and in your case, uh, uh, Aaron, nuclear issues? Uh, that's a really great question. So I remember 9-11 quite clearly, and I don't think it was a purposefully pursued national security in that way. And I actually went to college to be a teacher, a history teacher. Um, and I fell Yay, in love. Two history, yeah. two history folks. Love <laughs> um, that. But I ended up writing a paper on Iran and fell in love with national security and literally Googled national security internships while I was living in France because I had no idea how I want to enter the space. Um, but I think 
the current military situation with the United States has influenced my interest because it's always around us. It's in the news. It's our reality. But I think it's important to recognize that this hasn't always been the reality. And how do you change that moving forward? And how do you redefine national security moving forward? Because a perpetual state of war is really difficult to maintain. But often it's lost from the public view. Mm-hmm. Megan? Yeah, like you said, um, I've never lived without war. Um, I don't remember 9-11. I was maybe, I think I was one, one and a half or something. Um, but I think that the fact that the country has been in war since, or for all I've lived, I think that that has been really influential on my passion for national security because um, a lot of people, or when I tell people what I want to do, a lot of people say like, oh, why do you want to work like with the military? Why are you supporting the military? Why are you like a warmonger or whatever? But in fact, it's the complete opposite. I want to help create more peace. You want to focus the, on peace yeah, building. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And Lauren, this has to make you excited that you have two people here in the pipeline that you have wanted to create. Uh, You've obviously created it. Tell me about the work that you're doing to get more young women like Megan and Erin into this field, because I know you work with schools, you work with the Girl Scouts, uh, you have connected with NATSEC professional women uh, to expose young women to the women who are currently in the field and working at senior levels. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty it's pretty wonderful because I could identify, I am Megan, you know, I was a young woman, I was a girl, I was 10 years old and I wanted to be a spy. And my mom took me to see JFK, which she probably shouldn't have at 10, but I became obsessed with the Cuban Missile Crisis. So it's pretty wonderful to, to just watch and, and observe, really. I'm totally comfortable in that space. Um, so I think the the work that we're doing, it started out as just a basic curriculum that I developed, which was everything I wish I'd known about national security. And I pitched it to a bunch of all-girls high schools in Massachusetts, and they all wanted it, which I'm not sure that schools would have necessarily invited it in 15 years ago, right after 9-11. It may have been too soon for that kind of conversation. Um, and so now it's grown to a model where we have kind of three parts or three prongs. There are learning modules, which we deliver in the classroom alongside teachers. And those are modules that are created by women in national security. Again, everything that we do is designed to highlight women in national security. And again, a side note, which you might be experiencing, Megan, is how few women there are featured in authorship and as guest speakers at the undergraduate level. So everything that we do through our materials is designed to highlight women. So we have the learning modules, um, which, like I said, are developed to the schools. We also have simulations or gaming. Uh, We conducted a war game last summer, which Megan participated in with RAND, and we're actually planning our next war game in Texas in April. So we're going to continue expanding our regional programming, which allows us to bring in girls from outside the school network. And then the mentor network. Um, So bringing those girls like Megan into the mentor network and providing them with opportunities like this, which I'm so happy you suggested, is to have them exercise their voices on national security because we feel quite strongly about the fact that we don't want to tell girls what national security means for them. We want to explain to them, this is how national security has been defined for you, primarily through the lens of men. And we want to empower them with skill sets that we think are enduring, like strategy and critical thinking and ethics, to really forge an understanding of national security for themselves. So everything that we do is designed around that. And I know you mentioned that you started in high schools in Mm -hmm. Massachusetts. Is this something you want to take nationwide? Because you just mentioned that you're hoping to do things regionally. 
Yeah, so we're now in 10 states, actually, and we'll oh, be in 20 states by the wonderful. end of next year. Yes, yeah, so we have partnerships um, across the country, and uh, we're working with schools in Washington, New York, Illinois, Arizona, Texas, California. So we're expanding, and, and with capacity growth, <laughs> fingers crossed, uh, we will be able to reach out to the outstanding requests that we have for programming from uh, 10 additional schools in other states as well. You noted the fact that in the national security space, the number of women, particularly at the highest levels, uh, uh, is pretty small. Talk about the effort that it's going to take to move the young women who are now in your pipeline into those young professional jobs and then see them rise through the ranks, because it, yeah. it, it seems to have happened slowly. And I think that's what we always say, which is, I, I admit is always a really poor fundraising strategy, which is we're working on the long term, right? You know, the girls and young women like Megan who enter the network, we're looking at a 15 or 20 year arc. But change, you know, according to most studies, takes 30 years. And so I think through this kind of direct impact that we're having, where it's one-on-one -on -one with girls in the classroom, coupled with some of the strategic partnerships that we're building as they kind of move up through their careers, certainly there will be points of attrition, right, where girls who participate in the program may veer off into something else. But for those girls and young women who choose that this is their service call, which for most of the young women in the network or the young Megans, when you're in the classroom with them, you see them looking at you, and you see them listening, and you see them engaging. It's vocational. They're going to find a career in this field with or without you. Mm -hmm. So really, our goal is to kind of partner upwardly, provide strategic partnerships that allow us to advance them to their you know, kind of early, mid, and senior career levels. And what's been the response of the organizations that you've reached out to partner with? It seems as though they're very excited to have this opportunity. Yeah, I think it, the response has been great. I think it's a little bit of a challenge because we're dealing with a population. You know, our goal is to reach across the nation to diverse voices, to girls from all different backgrounds, all different income levels, all different race and identities. And so we're going out into the field. So part of the challenge with creating partnerships is, at least in Washington, is we're not based in Washington. So that makes it a bit of a challenge. But the response has been... There are those who might say that's an advantage. I, I think it's an advantage. <laughs> Personally, I think it's an advantage. Having worked on national security in Illinois, I, I find it to be a tremendous advantage. Um, but we're building partnerships slowly that are quite beneficial. And with private sector companies as well who are working in national security in the private sector. Uh, we have a program Wednesday with a company called Recorded Future that's going to do uh, a full boot day, a full day boot camp on disinformation with over 100 high school girls. Um, so as we grow, we're kind of slowly building those partnerships. But the response has been um, overwhelming. I, I couldn't have anticipated it. There's another aspect to this, and it's mentorship. I want to turn to Megan and Aaron about not only having mentors, but being mentors. How important has that been for you? Megan, you want to start? Sure. For example, in the war game over the summer, I was kind of probably in the middle of the age range, and there were a lot of younger girls, um, a couple even from my high school, who they didn't really know what was going on, but then by the end of it, they were so well-versed in it. They knew when you need to put, I don't know, a certain ship somewhere, I don't know. And it was just inspiring to me that I could someday be able to help someone find their passion, just like Lauren helped me find mine. Erin? Mm -hmm. Mentorship has played a really critical role in my experience. As Lauren mentioned, and you're well aware, the national security space can be a difficult place. And I think mentorship, both vertically and horizontally, has been quite critical. Um, when I first got to DC, I was lucky enough to find a tribe of women, and they're the ones who kind of kept me, kept me going 
they are really supportive, but also there for you if you're questioning yourself, and that's been really critical for my own career. And for girl security, the ability to actually provide that to a wider network, I was quite fortunate to find what I did, but to actually provide that for girls who might not have those opportunities, especially across the country, is quite uh, wonderful. And I think the opportunity being mentored, it's really useful to kind of learn from other people's experiences, get advice from an outside person. But in terms of mentoring, it's quite humbling because you realize just how much no one really knows. Like We're all just kind of making it up as we go along. Uh, And just I think mentoring, I've actually learned quite a bit about myself, what I want in my career, while talking to the people what they want and realizing just the different opportunities. How are you finding mentors for the young girls that you're putting in this pipeline? So we really just actively reach out through social media or through partnerships with different associations. Um, And a lot of women find us, actually. I mean, we have over about 300 mentors. And women tend to reach out on social media or through a program. You know, we find an association that may have 100-plus women. And the mentors are remarkable. I mean, they're as integral as the girls are, the mentors are. It would not work one without the other. And so we've really been able to, over the last three years, too, and it's still a a learning curve for us. We continue to refine the mentor-mentee process to try to provide, okay, what really does Megan need right now? You know, now she's in her undergraduate level. What type of information does she need? What type of conversation does she need? Who is the right person who has kind of a good scope on the field? And fortunately, because the mentors are willing to offer up so much information, they're so honest about their own experiences, I found it's worked quite easily. Um, But we have a new team member, Rachel Jones, who's joined us, and she's managing our mentor-mentee network now. So she's making it far more efficient than it probably was the first year that I was <laughs> juggling multiple, you know, multiple eggs. And mentoring is important to you because you had I had a remarkable mentor remarkable, who is with CSIS. Mentor. I had a remarkable mentor named Suzanne Spalding, who I met when I was 22 years old. She's now with you, all of you She's at CSIS. She's a senior advisor in the International Security Program, and she runs our Defending Democratic Institutions yes. project. And I remember meeting her when I was 22, and she just, I felt like she emanated. She was so wonderful. And she's always been a really wonderful sounding board. And three and a half years ago, I sent her an email and I said, I have this idea for this program called Girl Security. And she wrote back and said, I love it. Do it. This is great. And I don't know if she hadn't said that, if I would have necessarily taken that leap. I'd like to think that I would. (laughs) But I also know that her opinion means a lot. Um, And she's now on the board of directors. And she's just been such a, a remarkable role model for me personally. I also want to ask you about personal security, because Mm. that's a part of this conversation um, as well. Uh, Talk about how it influences the understanding of uh, national security and foreign policy. So part of the, you know, if you consider girl security as two parts, one is the engagement model and one is the advancement model, which is kind of the learning, training and mentoring support. The engagement model is really critical because we are going across the country and we are trying to forge a discourse about national security. And people have very strong opinions about national security. They also have very strong opinions on what the role of women should be in national security. And so the idea of personal security as a nexus to national security is really a foundation upon which girls can start to identify with national security because as girls and young women, we evolve with constant threat to our physical security. And so we already have this, what I call an unsought aptitude. We have this inherent resilience, which becomes quite pertinent right now when you think about 
persistent misinformation or disinformation attacks and the types of threats that you know are kind of on the national security spectrum. So getting girls to kind of think about the fact that they already have this basic skill set to to succeed in national security is really integral to forging a discourse around it. Well, as we wrap up here, what advice do you have for young women and girls who are interested in this field and want to pursue careers? What would you tell your younger self, I guess, is a better question to ask you? I would probably tell my younger self that I'm not alone. And there are lots of girls and young women all over the world who have an interest in this space um, and to go to girlsecurity.org. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, Aaron, advice? for those who are even younger than you uh, who are interested in this field? I mean, I agree with Lauren. I would say go to Girl Security. <laughs> um, you guys talked a It's a, a very lot. nice website. Yeah, it is. it is. You talked a lot about um, how security is slow changing and everything, but um, in my experience, I emailed Lauren one night asking for a mentor, and she emailed me back within like five hours with a mentor. And then after that, I got a list of a million jobs I could do, and it's just been such a fast process for me, thanks to Girl Security. Erin? Besides Girl Security, uh, (laughs) I would say find your tribe and then don't be afraid to push the limits in the national security space. That is sound advice. Lauren, Erin, Megan, thank you so much for being with us here on the Smart Women, Smart Power podcast. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. And thank you all for joining us. Subscribe to the Smart Women, Smart Power podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to good content. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Smart Women, and I'm at Beverly Kirk. Thanks for listening. See you next time.